0: The Crossman Conversation brought to you today by Community Legal Services, Maynard Cooper, Frontier Partners, by Crossmark Services, and Roto Speaks. The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark
1: Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. The Crossman Conversation is hosted by John Crossman. John's heart is to see our community of leaders unite around what we have in common. John will be joined by political leaders, religious leaders, as well as activists making a difference in our nation. Here is your host for the Crossman Conversation, John Crossman.
0: Hello, this is John Crossman, and welcome to the Crossman Conversation. Before we get started... Another story, Mike, man. Mike, I love got to, it. No, no, listen to me, man. Oh, okay. Listen, listen. So, you know, I I do a decent amount of public speaking, right? You and, do. No, I do. And, and you know, wow. sometimes you go in and it's kind of cold, you kind of jump in there, and then sometimes... Uh, somebody does like a little preamble, like warm up the crowd. And it's like terrible, right? Like they're reading something, you know, like you think they're going to say a turn page, you know, like that kind of thing, you know? And you're like, Oh geez. And so, uh, one time, uh, not that long ago I was speaking at the Christian chamber. You, you, you're uh, I was, was there. First, yeah, yeah. 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 And so, uh, this woman does this introduction, you know, thing, and she's a beautiful lady and she's got this great, like vibrant personality. And like, she's just like, you're like, wow, man, it's really good. Like get the crowd going. And I was like, this, this lady is awesome. You know, I was just very impressed. And then she said later on that she was really nervous. And I was like, how, what the heck is this? Cause she was just so dynamic. Didn't come through that way. Right. But, Cause you're yeah. just, you know, and I was like, so grateful that she kind of charged up the crowd. Well, that lady wrote a book. She's here to talk about that. Right. That's our guest today. Christy Naruzi. Hello. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for so being much. here. Thank you. Oh my this gosh. Awesome. Yeah. And were you really nervous that day?
1: Were yeah, I'm, I'm always nervous, but it's a good nervous energy. Right. I love public speaking, but yeah, my knees are shaking.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, don't, don't just relax. Relax. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I try to, you know, I do a lot of public speaking and I always try to make sure it just comes across like I'm just having a conversation. Yeah. Um. But I, uh, I get nervous beforehand but then once I'm on stage, I'm just, com- I'm calm, but it's the pre that usually gets me a little bit.
1: I feed off of other people's energy. And mm. so when you, when you are cold to a crowd and you're standing in front of them and some people are just looking at you with their head cocked to the side, like, you know, do something, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, just, just love me.
0: <laughs> well, one of my things, uh, uh, I can't, um, uh, eat before I speak. Like okay. I just have no appetite. And so then I get up there and I'll push out really hard. And then I then have like a ferocious appetite afterwards. And this is funny. I was in Brooklyn a couple months ago for a real estate conference I was speaking at. And it was hosted by um, Malik Yoba, who's an actor. He was in Cool Runnings and a bunch of stuff, legitimate acting career. I mean, big time. And so, um, and and, and I spoke and the next keynote speaker was the mayor of New York. And yeah, I know it's crazy. And so he, but he was doing all the MC through the whole thing. He was like working the whole day. And so that day was, it was actually my birthday. And so that night he took me to dinner. And so we went and had dinner and I'm sitting next to Malik and he ate two full dinners. Like nice. he ordered dinner and he ate he ordered a second one. And I was looking, I'm like, I a I 100 percent get it yeah. because I, because that's how, I, how I would be in the exact same thing as I would not eat all day. And then I would eat kind of ferociously. I don't know what that is, but that's kind of part of that.
1: Nervous energy fueled you. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah.
0: Absolutely. So now, vocationally, uh, you're a mortgage loan officer, yes. correct? Yes. And uh why? <laughs>
1: <laughs> These so, days I'm asking myself that question daily. I
0: mean, God who, be with me. <laughs> why, you know, no, no, no. so tell us a little bit about that work. Do you mind just hearing about yeah, that? Yeah,
1: so I've been in real estate for um just over twenty years. Uh I started off in when I was seventeen. In high school, being a part-time receptionist, and after I graduated high school, the broker said, "I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna hire you to work in sales." And I thought nobody's gonna hire an 18-year-old who still lives with her parents to sell um, their home. So I didn't go into sales. I did get my real estate license right out of um, out of high school. I went into property management. I'd been in and out of real estate, from realtor to short sale negotiator, been a loan officer for 13 years. So I've seen a lot of cycles. Um, This right now is an extraordinary time, and I say that lovingly, it's a challenging time uh, to be a buyer. You know, there's just such a a tiny amount of inventory rates are the highest they've been in 23 years, and we have short-term memory. So we're comparing, you know, twos and threes that we just had a few short years ago. Um, But it's the most rewarding career to help people make the largest financial decision of their life.
0: Yeah. No, it's a big deal, right? It's a big deal. And it's one of those things too, when I think about like when we're giving advice to like high school seniors and college students, things like that, we get kind of wrapped up in like, what was your SAT score? Um, and we probably should do a better job of like, what is your credit score? Right. And like, I'm understanding that because, you know, I like, I have two kids in college now and trying to explain to them what that means and why is that important. And man, if you've dealt on the other side, you know, when you've dealt with um, a single mom that's struggling and she's got bad credit or, a young person I, I know a guy that when he was like turn 18 his dad put a loan in his name and he didn't even know he was like a kid and then the dad this is stepdad defaulted on the loan oh no. and so he's now like in his 30s and he's got this terrible credit he's got kids right and people don't understand like how important that stuff is so it's a big deal
1: it is a very big deal our credit profile is something that we really need to protect but we need to understand it's a game these credit reporting bureaus set up these rules and we have to know the rules in order to win the game so it's unfortunate to know that we have to have a credit score because everything from employers to insurance pull your credit But if we have a terrible credit score, you will wind up paying hundreds, if not thousands of dollars more in interest over months and years. And then that's less money going in towards uh, savings, towards your goals, towards paying off your debt.
0: Or giving to a charity or, you know, anything you're passionate about, right? I mean, anything that drives you. Anything that drives you and you just go into some other who knows what's a big deal. All right, so um, uh, doing that. And you love that. I love it. Right. Okay. And then now you're an author. Yes. That's a big deal. It's a huge deal. You know, what's funny is I, here's the thing is I kind of feel like writing a book is a lot like running a marathon. You like that. A lot of times people would say, Oh, someday in my life to run, like to run a marathon, but the ones that actually do it, (laughs) you know, that's a small percentage. And when you do it, it really is that level of commitment. Like when somebody says to me, oh, I think I like to write a book. And I'm like, well, you need to think about like, it's like saying I want to run a marathon a year. It's that level of work to get a book done. Is that correct?
1: So much intensity. Yeah. So much focus.
0: Intentionality, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And and all of the things that are um, easily thrown to the side because of our very busy and distracted life, you know? Um, So putting this kind of focus into... Uh, relevant and important information, uh, you use the word intentionality, every single time I sat down, um, it was, what's my objective? What is my intention? Uh, what is the goal here? And um, sometimes I didn't follow through with that and I would reread it. And I thought, oh, this is terrible. So there's, there's been more thrown aside than what was put in the book.
0: So let's go to the first part is like, so why did you do the book? Like why?
1: Well, really I'm seeing a growing trend right now and it's not good. So at this point in my career, I've seen thousands of credit reports um, and and it really started to, to intrigue me. So I got some additional training. I'm a certified credit specialist and a certified credit counselor now. And um, not for the purpose of counseling, just for the purpose of understanding it deeper. And I'm seeing a lot of people using credit cards and loans as an extension of their income. Just a way to get by. I pulled a credit report not too long ago. This family had 23 maxed out credit cards. They had three personal unsecured loans and they had four car loans between the two of them and then they co-signed for their kids. They had no idea they were $179,000 in debt before we spoke about a mortgage. It was terrible. And when I did the math for them, they're both earning, let's say between the two of them, about $6,000 a month. They had $3,200 a month going to servicing debt. Servicing, servicing. just, Just making the payments. No wonder they were, they were literally drowning and, and it's unfortunately not so uncommon. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I knew God helped me to be in this position to know a whole lot and then to share it. Right. And that's, I had to. So, um, I have a YouTube channel. I have a podcast, uh, credit coaching by Christy. I've, I've got, you know, some little social media things out there, but you know, my tens and tens of fans, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I would still be like, my dozens of fans. That's right. <laughs> right. That's
1: right. They, so they're well-educated, but I just, I knew I needed to have another, another way of sharing this information. So I'm not a financial advisor. I have no product to sell. But you can't even sit down with a financial advisor until you free up right. that money to be able to work for you. And so that's the purpose of this book.
0: You know, it's interesting, like uh, sometimes, and Mike and I talk about this kind of a lot, how in society, I think churches can be guilty of it, politicians, the media will get fixated on a topic. But if you press pause and you're like, okay, well, or start over, let's have a whiteboard of like, what are the top 10 issues really facing people? A lot of times the topics are on that top 10, Right. right. And the ones that are in the top 10, sometimes they're so painful, uh, we don't want to talk about it, right? Like if like, if we want to talk about like, uh, you know, weight, you know, like weight loss, you know, like that, or so heart attack and things like that, you know, credit, you know, financial. And so it's like, it's just easier to talk about, are aliens real? (laughs) You know, like, or, you know, some other topic, like, uh, how are the Kardashians doing, you know? And so we get into this whole stuff and sometimes people get really passionate about it and then miss, you're not even dealing with like making your payments.
1: that, right? Absolutely. And then, um, you know, money is so intimate. Think about one thing that money doesn't touch. You can't take a vacation or have an enjoyable moment or have transportation without money fueling that. And so, especially when you've got couples coming together, we have these prior beliefs, borrowed beliefs really from our parents, um from our caretakers from our environment growing up and then we've never questioned those beliefs. So here we are adults but a, a toddlers really running our financial life and if I've never questioned what it is that I believe about money or how I behave with money, my relationship with money. Now I get into a partnership and my partner has never questioned that either and we're supposed to like figure figure this out but without mm-hmm. discussing it. And so money is 20 something percent of the reason why divorce happens, but it's not really about money. It's the misunderstanding of money. So about 75% of couples are money opposites by design, right? If they were both spenders, they would be uh, claiming bankruptcy every seven years. Right. But, um, so that brings balance into the relationship and the spending and saving, but it also brings conflict.
0: Right. So we got to learn how
1: to talk about it.
0: No, absolutely. And we all learn to talk about it at kind of all levels, mm-hmm. right? At all levels, yes. like le- leaning into that. It's it's funny when you just tell that story about that couple, like my blood pressure starts going up, right. hearing that. And I'm kind of like on the other extreme where like, you know, we, we could talk sometime about my, my financial problems. Um, but I think you probably would be telling me like, John, you need to calm down. Like, because we're all, we're all based on our own story. And some people, the thought of like having any level of debt is like freaks them out. Yes. And they're probably like, "Hey, that that's okay. You're okay where you're at." Whereas others, it's like, "Dude, calm it, calm down."
1: Absolutely. Um, our our personality traits, our money personality traits, really drive us. Mm. And we've got to there. There's good and bad in every single category. There's good and bad in being a saver, right? But there's some counterbalancing things that we can learn about. When we discover our pers- our money personality traits that can help us um, be be more balanced in relationships, but also in in life, we've got to have some fun. It's it's important to save, right? It's important to not be in debt, but you, you gotta have some well, fun. Well, and too. you gotta consume stuff yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, like our,
0: all right. Um, well, listen, this is really cool. We're gonna take a quick break and be right back. Managing a team that has a lack of accountability and effective communication can be frustrating. Bill Roto-Rooter can help you build a cohesive team and a collaborative work environment. As a retired commander of the Navy's premier training system and research development organization, Roto has the experience to help you build trust and a high-performing team as you navigate high-pressure situations. To schedule a complimentary call with Roto, go to rotospeaks.com and complete the form and put the Crossman conversation in the message field. I'd like to thank Maynard, Cooper, and Gail, PC, for being a sponsor of our program. Maynard is a full-service law firm with over 350 attorneys and 14 offices nationally who serve with professional excellence in everything from corporate and business matters to -to day-to-day legal issues. The office in Central Florida focuses its practice in real estate, corporate transactions and organization, banking and finance, along with trust and estates. To learn more, visit MaynardCooper.com. Community
1: Legal Services is a civil legal aid organization providing no-cost legal help to the underserved. They call it Legal Aid for All. Their attorneys assist with legal issues related to family law, housing, domestic violence, veterans benefits, and much more. Community Legal Services is a community-supported program. To learn more and help support the mission, visit clsmf.org. That's clsmf.org. Community Legal Services. Legal Aid for All. Crossmark Services is a commercial real estate firm offering a wide range of professional services, including advisory, brokerage and leasing, investing and property management. Our staff comprises the industry's most seasoned professionals who possess the needed knowledge in real estate investments, analysis and portfolio management to drive growth. See how Crossmark can work for you. That's CrossmarkServices.com.
0: Are you willing to serve communities in crisis around the world to people who are impoverished, oppressed, and persecuted? Frontier Partners International offers mission opportunities in areas least served to meet the needs of the helpless, hapless, and hopeless and is currently serving earthquake survivors in Syria. Share the love and joy of Christ and give the gift of a hope-filled future to someone in desperate need. Learn more at FrontierPartners.org. That's frontierpartners.org. Once again, here
1: is John Crossman.
0: We are back here. This is John Crossman with Christy Naruzi. Yes, well I love done. it. There we <laughs> go. I practiced it so many times. I got it, you know. I'm dyslexic, and I have, so there's certain things that I struggle with after really stay on top of. All right, so we're talking about your book, which is the title is
1: Finish Financially Free.
0: Finish Financially Free. Free. Yes. And what, what, why, where did that title come from?
1: Well, because I see so many people drowning, um, in debt, not making good decisions with the money that they do earn and not quite sure how to get through the month when it comes to money. So it's almost impossible to dream, to have imagination about what our life could look like, you know, fully funded later in, in, you know, some, some point down the road, if you can't even make it to payday when it comes to paying your bills.
0: You know, it is funny. It's like you you have used the analogy of drowning, but boy, it really can feel that way. Yes, it can really, really feel that way. So, talk to me about um, the target audience, right? So, like, if Mike and I are in a situation and we meet somebody, like, oh my gosh, this person needs Christie's book. Like, well, yeah. who 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 is that target bullseye for this book?
1: Yeah. So when I was writing the content, my twenty-two-year-old um, niece was the, in the forefront of my mind. I've got lots of nieces and nephews and, um, I just know that they're struggling trying to figure out this adulting thing. Right. So, uh, finishing off college now out on their own, some expectations of, I should just know these things, but who's really teaching it. You know, um, my father was born in 1935, so he was a product of the depression. So without intention, he was teaching us, you know, scarcity mindset and um it, it definitely wasn't what he wanted for us but that was his beliefs and so i think that you know 80 percent of any battle is the six inches between our our <laughs> ears here um with our mindset and our beliefs so um, somebody who's just getting started off with their journey and you know um a second part of this is i'm being reached out to with a lot of ladies that are in my age category 40s and going oh man. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to work at this pace for, for too many more years, too many more decades. And I haven't really done a great job starting up my retirement account or getting out of debt or making some, you know, really foundational plans for myself and for my family, but it's time to get started now. That's, it's, um, hard to say an age, but somebody who's new in their financial journey, I know a lot of people will reach out to financial advisors, but if you are, Living off of credit cards and loans because your take-home income doesn't suffice your outflow a financial advisor can't help you Set up those products for your you know for your 401k and your IRA and your savings So I feel like I'm that gap to help you get from where you are right now to where you desire to be uh, with your finances with your savings your retirement your goals.
0: So I think that maybe one way to say it is like, you know, your intention was kind of ideally in this sort of 22 to 25 year old. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the spectrum's actually pretty pretty broader than that, right? Like and I think that like with a lot of really important topics in life, younger is better, you know, like I would say it's like man, you know, with high school seniors, it's a good thing to do like yeah. to get them thinking about adulting. Like my daughters are 18 and 20 and so we talk about this all the time, little things I'm doing. You know, they both, they both have IRAs, yeah, right? Like they, awesome. no, no, they do. And they like, and having those conversations. So I would think like just John's opinion, it's like high school seniors. This is a great graduation from high school book. Um, and then probably buy it again for them. And when they <laughs> graduate from college, right. And then you're right on the other side of the spectrum, people go through a life change on um, any number of things happen. And then they need to get focused on it. Right.
1: Right. So rebuilding after a bankruptcy right. a divorce or the loss of a, a spouse you know, sometimes in relationships, only one spouse took care of the finances and that remaining spouse may say, I have no idea what to do. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, I, uh, during the Great Recession, I had two different women, friends of mine, whose husbands passed away. They're just illness, that, sad stories. And in both situations, they the husband never got life insurance. And so then both women, you know, lost their homes. Like you think of like, it went bad. And then when it went way bad, right, it's like hard for me to get my brain around like yeah. how that happens. And so you know, a lot of times when I'm talking to young men, that's one of my big things as I preach. It's like, man, you know, get some life insurance, like do these basic things. And I've had the other side of that. I've had some men um, who I've encouraged to have license and sure they died and then their families were taken care of, right? Yep. So- Uh, But man, uh, it's intentional and sometimes it's intentional into hard conversations, right?
1: Well, no, it's morbid, right? Nobody wants to think about a potential death date. So it's, it's difficult to have that conversation. But I also think it's the most beautiful gift you can leave for your spouse or your family to have that part taken care of. So just like we insure our homes and our cars, A, we have to, right? B, it's really important in case something terrible happens. Well, what about ourselves? And one of the biggest reasons for bankruptcy is not having enough health insurance or having proper health insurance and people drowning in medical debt and needing to wipe it out. So, um, you know, I am a huge fan of having the right insurance, even though it costs you monthly now. It could save you tens right. of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars down the road.
0: So let me talk to you about two, two kind of deeper things. Like, uh, I'm just going to get opinion. It's like, one of them is this, is that some people I think have a worldview that their job is to like, you know, take care of themselves, take care of their spouse and then take care of their kids. Like, you know, make sure their kids have, you know, income forever kind of stuff. And I look at that a little differently. I'm more like, I think it's our job to teach our kids how to make their own income. Right. And the, the reason why I bring that up is I've seen a dynamic sometimes with kids that never become adults mm-hmm. because they're always kind of,
1: they're not required to be.
0: Yeah. And so they're never adulting. Right? right. And so, and, and, you know, I've early on told my kids, because I think when my kids kind of first be aware financially, maybe middle school and because I could tell they would come to me and say, dad, are we rich? And I'm like, well, no, I am, but you're poor actually. So, <laughs> you, you know, and one time they asked me like, do we have trust funds? And I said, no, I'm like, look, I'm, I'm going to leave you nothing. Um, I'm not leaving, I'm not leaving a penny. And my wife always gets mad at me when I say, she's, she's like, John, why would you say that to him? I'm like, Angie, I think it's good for them to think that way. And she's like, would you really not leave them anything? No. I mean, I would, I would, of course would love to leave them something, but I'm helping them with, I think I'm helping with their brain and how they're planning to plan without it. And And now that they're older, I've had these deeper conversations where it's like, You don't want to be cheering for your parents' passing. That is not... (laughs) You don't want that. No, 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 no. You want to have a situation where you hope your parents live as long as possible, and you hope that you don't need their money, and you hope that they don't need your money. But how how does that all hit you when I say all that?
1: Um, I've got so many mixed feelings about this, but... It's a big one, right? Yeah, it is a big one. Um, The Bible says to leave something for your children's children. So I think that was really intentional in saying it that way. So um, to avoid wanting your parent to die or something along those lines, but also to not, you know, to, to not be on your coattails. Um, I think the most beautiful legacy a parent could leave for their children, and I'm not a parent, but I appreciate this from my parents is um, they, they taught me some things that no amount of money could replace in my life. Uh, my, my mom was really the breadwinner and she showed me the power of hustle and the importance of relationship. and no amount of money can replace that life lesson and how I get to show up in the world, you know? So I think, um, as a parent taking care of the final steps in their life and and their plans for their children, I really do believe it's important to leave something for them, but it doesn't have to all be about money. Um, there could be something left in their name. There could be something for their children's children so that they're taken care of. But yeah, if I were sitting around going, you know, Kick the bucket, dad, so I can be a multimillionaire. Um, How we handle the small things is how we handle the big things. And if a kid has never been taught how to handle money, that that's gone. It's just, it's just spent. And there's actually a little, um, a couple of pages in the book that talks about if you get a landfall of money, uh, inheritance, you know, insurance claim, try to drive down inner, any interstate right now and not see 15 signs about how, you know, so-and-so got me 1.5 million. Unfortunately, a lot of people believe that winning the lottery or a lawsuit or an inheritance is how they will retire. But you can see time and time and time again within a couple of years that money is gone and then they go bankrupt because they can't afford the stinking property taxes and insurance on that dream home that they, you know, once you spend it, there's no way of getting it back. So I gave my two cents about, okay, go buy the house or the car, Or, you know, and go take an amazing vacation, but don't live like you're on a vacation. And then if you get that money to work for you, to compound for you over time, you could literally live off of just the interest for the rest of your life. And so I used an example in there. Let's say you had $5 million. It was at such and such interest. Could you live comfortably off of $400,000 a year? I I bet it would be a big life upgrade. You could live off of that and not even touch that, uh, you know, initial amount. So just looking at things slightly different but having some life lessons. I mean, I remember earning allowance and all the adults in my life would say, how are you going to spend it? It was it was never taught to me to give. And my dad was a pastor. <laughs> it was never taught for me to save. Like how different my life would have been from the day I started working at 15. If it was engraved in my brain, uh, we give 10% to the church. We save 20% of what we take home. And the rest of it is towards your goals. What do you want? Do you want something bigger, you know, to, to save towards or to enjoy? And I remember getting, a. We, I found a $5 bill. I remember walking around Walmart at like, you know, six years old, I had a $5 bill in my hand and I'm like, what do I want to spend it on? It was so crazy because when I had the $5, I couldn't find anything that was worthy of it. But when I didn't have the $5, mine, mine, I want, I want, I want. It's just amazing what happens, yeah. you know, in our brain. Um, when we have something to contribute versus not, it's like we, when you say I want, you're actually saying I lack, you're telling everybody I lack this thing. And then we tend to focus on the things that we don't have instead of having gratitude for the things that we do have.
0: Well, I think I agree with all that. And and it's funny, I actually know a guy that it seemed like his whole bet was his, his parents dying and then getting all this money. Here's the deal. It's like his mom's now ninety. He's pushing seventy, and it's like you can kind of waste a life doing that. Delayed plans. Huh? Yeah, the other one too. Just real quick, is this is that I think there's a bit of an American fantasy, and you kind of touched on it. I'm not talking about being elderly and, and living off interest, but some people saying I want to win the win the lottery at thirty and then get that four hundred grand and watch Netflix all day, and I'm like, that's really kind of going against. Where's the th- purpose? The purpose and the value of work, yeah. you know, the value of work. And, you know, Mike and I talk about this all the time. Mike and I could be doing some other stuff, but I think the work we do is important. The yes. work you do is important. And of course you don't want to be grinding your whole life, but I think, you know, going a long ways with it is, is really key. That's yeah. really key. Well, thanks for being on the Thank show you. and thanks for what you're doing. You're, you've got such a wonderful spirit and I encourage people finishing financially free. Great, great book. Every high school senior, every college senior, and everybody who you know is like thinking about, you know, uh, what's my financial future going to look like? Yeah. So that's great, great stuff. And they can buy it Amazon. Where, where
1: Yeah, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, my, my website, creditchristie.com. Yeah, yeah.
0: wherever finds uh, books are sold. There it and is. That, that it can be. <laughs> uh, well, Christy, thanks for being on the show. It's so, uh, so wonderful to see you and thanks for all you're doing. Uh, this has been the Crossman Conversation. As always, support your local HBCU. This has been
1: Crossman Conversation produced by Acrosman Career Builders Mark Radio Production